Hello and welcome to the Adventure Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and let's get stuck into it. So episode one was a a road trip, and I love a good road trip. I'm a big fan on this podcast to bring all good adventurous travel stories to you. Um, anything that isn't just the normal, but good, city city escape, really. One thing I love, as I mentioned, road trips. The other thing that I've loved and um, as for about just over a year now is hiking. And it's a hobby, new hobby to me, but I'm learning a lot as I go. And I wanted, as my UK initiation, to do Ben Nevis, Scarfell Pike and Snowdonia, which are the, um, the three highest peaks of Scotland, England and Wales, respectively. I wanted to do them in the winter months so I could push myself a bit on, on a bit more of a, a harsh climate. And in all honesty, as I'll go into talking about the, the other peaks on the other podcasts, I did underestimate the UK. They're small mountains, but what I've learned is it is our weather that makes them tenacious. It really is something uh, incredible to to behold. Um and it's incredible that that you know the amount of prep I put into doing Ben Nevis in in February, just a few months later, and all you need to worry about is is you know are you bringing ankle boots and parking space. So let's get into it. If you're reading the title and you're listening to this, you may be thinking, "What the hell were you doing?" So I had Ben Nevis as a target for February, and. We had this planned for about three or four months, and it was always planned, always planned, always the plan. And then the news came along that Storm Kira was on the way, and uh, yeah, it didn't really deter me. I, uh, you know, I I'm quite sensible. Uh, I, I do think I'm quite sensible. And if I don't want to do something, like I said in the last podcast, I touched on it, you know, the mountain's not going anywhere. I can always go up, up it a different day. So, given the title of this podcast, I'll talk safety quickly. I I had all the appropriate kit. I brought hot coffee, food, water, supplies to get us through for way more hours than we needed to do to do the to do the uh, the hike, the summit. I brought a first aid kit with me, a cow pack with water so it was easily accessible. I could sip in it throughout the journey. We had spikes so we could grip in the um, any ice, uh, and mainly the snow. I brought with me walking poles to, to keep a bit of balance, keep a bit of stability. We had a map, all appropriate warm kit, as I've said, uh, extra layers in a dry bag in the bag. Uh, we had 4G the whole way up the mountain, actually. That was something that was quite incredible. 4G all the way to the summit. And we also did something which I'm quite a big fan of. It was my friend Dan and I who did it. And we put some clauses in place. And if they weren't met, then we would have turned around and we would have done it another day. We also kept communication quite high. We were honest with each other. If we thought we had wanted to turn back, we would. Alongside that, for the two weeks prior, as soon as I found out there was going to be a storm... I checked the avalanche report daily to see any any patterns or anything going on on the mountain. I also followed the weather, the summit weather report, the whole way through to to make sure I was following what the conditions would be like. Are we going to be prepared for it? Can we do it? 
I had just the previous month done Scarfell Pike in 60 mile an hour winds. <laughs> there's a bit there's a bit of a story behind that. I'll save that for another show. So when I was looking at gusts of of that much and a little bit more, I wasn't really too bothered. I'd done it already and, and without giving too much away in Scarfell Pike, I, I'd done it already and I knew those winds are not enough to push me over or pick me up and and, and, and fly me off a mountain. So I thought, the wind's fine, just got to be honest with yourself, stick it through. So I put so much into place to, you know, I was even researching on YouTube the routes, I was, I was looking at different people's channels, I was looking at the route on there, looking at the route on the OS map, so I put a lot of effort into the safety just because there was a storm. We also were back at the car two hours before the official storm warning came in too. So I suppose technically you can't really call it a storm. Technically you could, it's just there was no yellow weather warning. But still, it was incredibly worth it. A lot of people will do a hike to, for, for the view. Some will do it for the challenge. Some will do it just for exercise. I mean, you let me know what you do a hike for. Leave a comment on this or contact me on Weekend Backpacking on Instagram. But all I can say is, Doing this experience was incredibly worth it. We, I live in the southwest of England. Specifically, I was working in Bath at the time. And I met Dan after work, got in the car, and we drove that night all the way up to Glasgow, just south of Glasgow, a place called Strathclyde. Stayed overnight, and we only got, only got about four or five hours kip there. But we stayed overnight, went up to Fort William, and the scenes were epic. I did not think you could get mountainous road trip scenery in the UK. I knew the Highlands were good, but I'd never been there before, and boy was I wrong. It was incredible. The views were so fantastic, and, and the sun was just coming up, and it was really a, a very lovely and warm welcome to, to Scotland and, and the Highlands, the bottom of the Highlands. Got to Fort William, parked up, got ready and headed off and I've got to say a very very easy route to follow at the top as the weather started worsening it's a little bit more difficult but really so easy just keep walking follow the route you can't you can't go wrong we walked nicely all the way and there's a lake at about 570 meters the wind was starting to pick up at this point and and just before the lake, probably at about 520 meters altitude, we just hit the snow line. So we stopped, had a snack, had a look, and we we're just taking in the views in the mountain. Carried on walking along, and this is the point we had some people start to walk past us, and this continued really all the way to the to the end of the hairpin section. Were people turning around and saying, nope, nope, we can't do it, we've got this far, it's too windy, oh, I don't have the right kit, or nope, not doing it today. And that's completely fine. You know, you want to you want to push yourself, but also you don't want to do anything dangerous. And, and you know, they might not be there for the challenge. They might be there for the view. And if they're getting up there and it's a whiteout, then turn around and go home. They may live locally too. But for me and Dan, if anything, it just spurred us on. We cracked on, carried on pushing through. And you get to what they call, I just call it the hairpins, but it's they call it zigzags. And you... you it's just endless hairpins and zigzags all the way up and the wind was battering us it really started to hit us quite hard there 
a couple of times we just had to stay still and unfortunately didn't bring any ski goggles or anything so when the snow came we had to keep our heads down and stop moving otherwise it would batter our eyes and after the zigzags we kept pushing kept pushing up and <laughs> we're just starting to get into the clouds now and we can see them going just over the top of our heads the wind keeps coming in large gusts we're checking the whole time are we fine are we safe you know are we being blown about at all you know we're quite stable are we happy to keep going yes is the route quite clear yes and at that point i experienced our very first whiteout now i know from a whiteout you just stay still it passes eventually but if you keep moving in a whiteout there's no no way of knowing where you'd go what you'd end up doing and i had not been at ben nevis before so whiteout came along and we probably experienced about six of them but really they last about 10 seconds maybe a bit less i don't know it was, a, it was all quite exciting but you just stay still the it passes and you can see where you're going again so we kept pushing up and just as we were getting to the top, after so many people going past us, none of them saying that they had reached the top, they had all turned around, we saw these two climbers, and they had stopped uh, at, at a trig point. So we stopped there too, had a chat with them, had a snack, had a bit of water, and we said, well, you know, do you, do you want to team up? Should we, should we do this as, as, a, as a group of four? And they said, yes, thankfully, so we, we kept pushing up. And this is when the wind really started hammering us. At this point, you know, we're about 1,200 meters now. We're over a kilometer into the sky. And the winds were really, really battering us. So again, at this point, had a quick look around. What's to my left where, where the wind was pushing us? Plenty of, of area to, to walk into, should I need to. Had a little look around. You know, I've still got my spikes on. We've got the, we've got the walking poles for a bit of stability. And I look up and except for obviously the whiteouts where we just stopped moving altogether. I look up and there's just trick point to trick point to trick point. It's like dot the dot in a straight line all the way up to the summit with plenty of room around you. And I thought, well, that's perfect. It's a bit windy. It's hitting our central nervous system quite hard. But, um, but let's do it. Let's keep going. So we kept pushing up and the wind is battering us. And it's, I'm not really into this, but it was as if the mountain knew how hard we were pushing ourselves the amount of times we stopped at a trick point to get a bit of rest um my my friend dan he hasn't done any exercise in over a year but he still kept pushing so every other trick point we were stopping for a bit of a rest and the amount of times we looked around and we went ready ready perfect go went to move again and this huge gust of wind would come along we're talking 80 to maybe 90 mile an hour gusts and it would it would sort of make us kind of take a couple of steps to the left or um, not completely fall over, but we'd certainly have to take a knee. And we just kept pushing all the way to the top. The other two had ski goggles, so as we started getting more leveled off, they took the lead. And we just, Dan and I, we just kept the, foot, the feet as we looked at the ground at the top of our vision. Just walked gently, putting the walking poles in front of us. And eventually, we got to the summit. And it was incredible. The conditions were so raw. You couldn't see really beyond 70 meters at best. I looked to the left and 
and you could see a huge cornice that was just had that built up over the edge about 30 40 meters to my left we sat at the conservatory had a bit of shelter <laughs> i had a had a frozen biscuit and a and a warm coffee it's worthwhile noting at this point that it was meant to be minus 6 degrees on the summit but the metro uh, the metro um Oh Christ, the meteorological, uh, the the one that BBC use. I can't remember the name of the the name escapes me at the moment. It predicted that it feels like minus eighteen degrees Celsius. I went to have a drink of water, and I'd noticed that my camel pack, which at twelve hundred meters was fine, was completely frozen. The tube had completely frozen up, and I couldn't have any water. So I had the coffee, had the biscuit. We we had a photo on the summit. Dan and I stood on the can and uh, and and tried to pose, but the wind was so battering and so strong, <laughs> we couldn't even look at the camera. And we had this very, very funny picture of us <laughs> trying to smile for a photo and just covering our faces and wincing. But we get back down. We, uh, we, we would take the phone back and we just start the descent down. We don't hang around long. We got to the top. There's not much view. Let's get out of here started our descent down and really it was all about keeping a focus on where we had been and you couldn't see our footsteps that were there before um you know either we, we were a bit a bit off or the snow which is the more likely option had just completely gone over our footsteps but thankfully those trig points led us right the way back down again and if ever we were unsure we had 4g on a mountain Google Maps has the route all the way to the top for, for the mountain track, the pony route. So just quickly checked on there, and off we went. Carried on our way down, and if you remember, I said it was as if the mountain knew how hard we were trying to get to the top. And then, as if to reward us, on the way back down, if you've ever done Ben Nevis, when you come back down the mountain track, it's flat for a little bit, but then it goes down. Um, fairly steeply to about 1200 meters flat again for a bit and then down all the way to, to 570 down by the lake on our way down the clouds in front of us at least just cleared not completely but enough for us to just see over the top of all the mountains in front of us and it was as if it was rewarding us as, as a well done for the amount of prep that we put into it, the amount of energy that we put into it and, and not giving up. It was as if it was rewarding us and we could just see this gorgeous view right over the highlands. We kept walking down, the snow just coming up off the side from the wind and uh, kept walking down. At one point, I took my glove off to check the phone and let's just say Ben Nevis now owns one of my gloves. But apart from that, no other mishaps. Walked down nicely. And all I'd really say is the route back down felt three times longer. I'm not sure if it was because you know, the central nervous system had been battered or we'd been tired. But often the routes back seem quicker. But this just felt so long. But we got back to the car, sat down. Dan and I had a, a, vi a, victory, a victory fist bump and hug. And uh, got back in the car and did the 11-hour journey back down south. So if you'd like, if you liked this, then do let me know. If you didn't, 
please let me know. This is my second ever podcast, so there's going to be plenty of areas for me to improve on. If you would like to see any photos, that, that summit photo I was talking about, if you'd like to see a video of us reaching the summit um, from the GoPro, then please go to Instagram and have a look at Weekend Backpacking, where you'll be able to see that and more. If you've got any questions, message me on there, or leave a comment on the Facebook post, or leave a comment on Podbean, and I will be sure to get back to you. And if you'd like to appear on the show, then pitch me an idea. If you've got something adventurous like this, or something a bit more like the road trip last time, or something completely new that you just absolutely adored, then let me know, and let's have a chat about it, and let's see if we can get you on the show. So at this point, thank you very much for listening. If you have any ideas for a music intro or outro, if you think it needs it, then do let me know, and I will see you in the next one. Thank you very much.